This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward. Thanks for joining us for the legislature today. I'm Curtis Tate. Just one more week to finish out the 60-day legislative session. You're hearing some rumbling that lawmakers may not finish the budget by next Saturday, but we will just have to wait and see what happens. Today, the Senate passed six House bills and sent them back to the House of Delegates to consider the changes made in the upper chamber. The Senate also advanced several other pieces of legislation, including bills on suspended school personnel, AI, and running for office. Brianna Heaney has that story. House Bill 5690 would create an artificial intelligence task force that would work on designing and implementing policy, determining public interest in AI, addressing AI in education, assessing its effect on labor in the state, as well as many other duties. The bill advanced in the Senate with no amendments. House Bill 5650 would allow public school employees who have been suspended and are barred from being on school property to attend public events in certain circumstances. The bill is aimed to address situations in which parents were suspended, leaving them unable to pick their children up from school or attend their school functions. It also includes suspended family members and other guardians of children. The bill was amended in the Education Committee, which is chaired by Senator Amy Grady, a Republican from Mason County. She says it adds exceptions to the bill for some suspended school employees. The amendment changes the situations in which a suspended school employee can be barred from the school to include cases where the suspended employee's presence jeopardizes the health, safety, or welfare of students, employees, or visitors, impacts the learning environment or the school-sponsored activity, prejudices an investigation or disciplinary proceedings involving the employee, violates a court order or any law, or threatens damage to property. House Bill 5298 would prohibit a candidate who failed to win a nomination under a certain political party from turning around and running in the same race under a new party affiliation. The Senate Judiciary added a technical amendment to that bill. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston. State budget issues are debated and resolved during the last days of the regular session. But a surprise notification from the federal government that the state must return nearly half a billion dollars in COVID-19 funds has several major funding issues on hold. Randy Yoe has more. When federal dollars were funneled into West Virginia local school districts in the early days of the pandemic, rules on how to spend that money did not come until later. Facing crucial budget bill deliberations, the House Finance Committee Chairman Delegate Vernon Chris, a Republican from Wood County, said it was a shock when learning this week the federal government was looking at a $465 million clawback of the state's CARES Act education spending. It was just amazing that the feds can do something like this to you. 
And, and we're not the only state they're doing it to. There are other states that are in the same position. I don't know what to, to what degree, but this is, a, this is a sizable amount of money to the state of West Virginia. The budget bill passed by the Senate this week did not include Social Security tax cuts and has no mention of state employee pay raises. The House Finance Committee Minority Chair, Delegate Larry Rowe, a Democrat from Kanawha County, is concerned about the effects on a number of what he calls programming possibilities. West Virginia State uh, is, is in for a $50 million agriculture lab that they need, and, and this, you know, will put the, that kind of a project in jeopardy, any new project. So, and if it moves off several years, it would be a real problem. Uh, senior services, the governor had $20 million in senior services, 10 for construction projects, 10 for services. That's probably in jeopardy. Officials from Governor Jim Justice's office say the federal expectation was the state would match the federal pandemic grants going to education. Senator Eric Tarr, Senate Finance Chair, says that's easier said than done here. The spending from the CARES dollars, you were supposed to have spent that all by 2023. West Virginia is very unique in how we fund K-12 education uh, relative to a lot of other states because we're formulary based. So you can't just suddenly increase the formula with some of the rules they had around the CARES dollars the way that they would need it spent. Now, Chris says the governor's office is working with the feds on a waiver, showing that they are providing more state money now toward education. Things like the school building authority that we appropriated, no, we authorized the spending a couple days ago, we authorized the monies to go into the account yesterday so now, as, as that bill progresses, then we'll have part of that uh, $465 million taken care of. The governor's office also is trying to make them understand that we have used, that the last two years we've done the pay raises with the, with the benefit package, that, we've also con that we're continuing to put in the monies into the, the teacher's retirement program in the 40-year plan as well as the current amount needed. So those things seem to be going towards those dollars. Chris, Tar, and the governor's office all seem confident with hopes for a quick resolution and no loss of funds. But with a week left in the regular session and no budget yet passed, Chris says the timing could not be worse. It's just poor timing on the Fed announcement uh, to, the, to the governor's office. And, and we are here today knowing that we have one week left. We need to get the budget process concluded on both sides so we can start putting the, the uh, bills together and come up with a compromise for the first of the week so everybody will have an opportunity to see what we've got. But the deadline for actually putting the budget in isn't till June 30th, right? That's true. But as, as we have done since uh, 2015, we have promised the people of the state of West Virginia that we would have a working budget out of here by the 60th day of the session. And we're going to fix it. It's a one-time thing. We've got the funds available, and it's just a matter of trying to figure out where they have to all have to go uh, before the uh, 1st of July. I guess the question is, will anybody be left out? I don't think so. But, I don't, you know, stay tuned. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yowie of the Capitol. The House of Delegates passed bills today on where communities can put gun shops, how much counties can keep in their coffers, and memorializing a former delegate who recently passed away. Randy Yowie has more. House Bill 4782 focuses on where you can sell firearms. It prevents municipalities from targeting protected businesses with planning and zoning ordinances more restrictive than those placed upon other businesses. 
The key language restricts the community from using its planning or zoning power solely to prohibit the sale of firearms, firearm accessories, or components. Delegate Evan Hansen, a Democrat from Monongalia County, opposed the liberalized zoning policy of where you can sell or have guns. I think people who have zoning in their communities want to know how this bill would impact the zoning of firearm businesses. It's not clear to me whether the phrase any other retail business means a type of business that has the strictest zoning or a type of business that is allowed in any zoning district. And because of that lack of clarity, I'm concerned about this bill. I'm also concerned about local control. With an 86-10 vote in favor, the bill now goes on to the governor. The House completed action on Senate Bill 331. The proposal will eliminate the cap on the maximum amount of money in a county's financial stabilization fund. The cap was at 50% of a county's most recent general fund budget. Delegate Trenton Barnhart, a Republican from Pleasance County, said this cap elimination will let his oil and gas county and many others have the means for future wants. So Senate Bill 331 rewards counties for being fiscally responsible and incentivizes them to save that, those extra dollars for future needs instead of worrying as much about wants, this bill is about needs. You know, and another part of the bill that I really like is the investment mechanism, you know, allowing the counties to invest some of those funds in the investment management board. That will help grow those counties for generations to come. The bill passed 96 to zero and now goes to the governor. And with his family in attendance, House Resolution 12 memorializes the life of the late Charles E. Romine. Known to all as Chuck, Romine was first elected to the West Virginia House of Delegates in 1968 and re-elected several times over the next 50 years. In 2018, he was awarded one of the state's great honors, the Distinguished West Virginian Award, and thanks for his life of dedicated service in both the public and private sectors. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yowie at the Capitol. Hundreds of high school students filled the Capitol Rotunda on Friday to show off their career and technical skills. Emily Rice has more. Students from across the Mountain State showcased skills learned during career and technical training. From a 3D printed cat figurine to freshly made pastries, students put on a show for legislators. Aaron Fedorki is an engineering and machine tool tech teacher at Wheeling Park High School. He said he is proud of his students' hard work. Just watching them get that creative thinking and uh, putting it to real-world uh, scenarios and things like that. Uh, so proud of our state and our CTE programs in the state. Fedorke said career and technical programs allow students to learn how to work a job and the life skills to find a job. Uh, so we're trying to operate it more like a trade would or a company would as far as like um, being to work on time, uh, you know, even like drug testing, things like that. Uh, prepping them, uh, getting them ready right out of high school to go straight into these awesome uh, trades or, or uh, jobs that are really available and, and uh, employees are, or employers are really needing uh, good employees coming right out of high school. Ray Maynard is a junior at Mingo Central High School. Her program spent the morning divvying out cheesecake bites. She hopes to be a chef when she graduates. It gets me prepared more for the physical state, like doing it and learning like hair restraints and 
body, what you do with your body, you have to stay cleanly. And it helps a whole lot with just being prepared for when it actually happens, when you go out to work at a restaurant. Don Shepard is the Technology Integration Specialist at Roan Jackson Technical Center. So we're just out here trying to educate everybody about the program offerings that we have for students in the area. And we have with us today everything from cosmetology is here doing uh, nail painting. We have our welding students doing a uh, virtual welding simulator. We've got drafting and robotic students that are doing some 3D printing, 3D scanning, and they got their robots and drones with them. We also have our health occupation students doing blood pressure checks, and our culinary students made up some sugar cookies that they printed on our uh, cookie printer there. Shepard said he hopes lawmakers see the value of these programs and provide additional funding. Uh, so those program offerings and obviously funding uh, that it takes to operate those programs. So you see on the uh, displays and stuff the, that equipment, you know, welding machines cost lots of money, um, you know, because we're wanting our students to have the same experience that you would have in the industry. So they need to have those same tools, technology and stuff available to them. So obviously funding is important. For the legislature today, I'm Emily Rice in Charles. This session, our student reporters have been covering issues of interest to them while they have learned about the legislative process. News Director Eric Douglas sat down with Amira Mustafa and Ben Velo to hear what they had to say. Hello, uh, welcome to uh, our interview segment of the legislature today. My name is Eric Douglas. I'm the news director here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Uh, I'm here with Ben Velo and Amira Mustafa. Uh, you've been seeing them all see, uh, session long. There are high school news reporters, and they've done a great job. I, uh, you know, we were all a little skeptical when you guys started. <laughs> I'm kidding, but no, uh, they've done a great job. But uh, so I wanted to take our, our interview segment this evening to talk to them and discover what they've learned. You know, kind of the the, the advancements they've made as uh, as reporters covering the legislature. Afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Doing well today, doing well. Eric. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, you, you, ben tends to uh, be a little louder than you do, so I need. Yeah. Um, so, simple question: What did you guys learn? How? Uh, what? What was this process for you when you got started, as compared to where you are today? Well, for starters. Um, you know, outside of politics, this is our first time doing anything on camera or writing yeah. scripts or t working with journalists. And um, the script writing process and finding evidence and having claims that are unbiased, that was a big learning point for me, um, personally. What I really learned is like the importance of the state government. Like in school, I didn't even learn what the 60-day legislature was. So whenever I was offered to work for the legislature today, I was a little unsure about what that would entail. But now I, I got to see like the importance of the state government and how at this point I might even vote for the governor before I would vote for our president. Right. The, the, absolutely, the state government uh, has a tremendous effect on our lives that, that probably the average person doesn't because all you get is the, the national news mm -hmm. that talks about the presidential election, that sort of thing. I, I agree with you completely on that, guys. Um, so, Ben, you talked about the script writing process, and I remember some of the, the early scripts, there were some things that's like, no, you can't say that, you right. have to have somebody else say that. Uh, uh, are you, do you see yourself applying that in your, your school career moving forward? Or? Well, most definitely. I think applying the journalism writing or... The, the well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
write, being able to write something that is informational and unbiased is a learning curve because mm -hmm. you have to tell, you know, you want our perspectives as students, but you don't want our necessarily perspectives as people. As people? So, sure. you know, you have to tell the world what needs to be heard, but you have to tell it in a way that is um, correct and unbiased. And for us, it was a lot of, you know, we had to talk about lobbying and bills that we personally want to fight against. Sure. Or bills that we want to fight for and push more. But you have to do it in a um, very put together way or you have to be there, very there's careful. There's a format. There's a, there's a, a process that we use. Let's talk about the, the, the legislative process a little bit. I know that was a, that's a learning curve for even people in this building. I promise mm -hmm. you, you're, I, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but yeah, you know, what was the, the biggest discovery for you as bills go through committee and then to the floor and then to the other chamber and all that? I mean, it's, it takes a lot of time. And the bills that you want to pass and you think that should be passing aren't getting the discussions because there are thousands of bills to go through. Mm -hmm. And you really get a sense of seeing what what our politicians are. I mean, when you look at a politician's sort of IMDB or on the legislature.gov, <laughs> you can see all the bills that they're sponsoring. You can see a little bit of what kind of got them into office and see what they're voting for, what they're pushing. And you can also kind of see as a collective what the senators are trying to focus on, which a lot of times is money and industry. Sure. I think my biggest surprise was the fact that it was only 60 days. Yeah. Again, I was constantly contrasting it with the federal government and we, we always see 24 seven on the news, what they're doing on this day, that week, what's the agenda. But for the state, weirdly, it was only 60 days, and I had a hard time wrapping my head around that. Uh, as of a couple of days ago, uh, last time I checked, there were nearly 2,600 bills introduced. Yeah. Only 50 at that point had, had passed so far. There have probably been a few more since then, but it's, uh, yeah, there's <laughs> there's an awful lot going on, and these next, uh, this last week of the session will be even kind of crazier, to be honest. And you know what else was really surprising about the whole process is, you know, we got to kind of dive into the role of lobbyism and what lobbyists do. They have a huge effect in the legislation that's passed, but yes, they don't they have do. to report anything in the state of West Virginia for another, what is it, three May months? 15th. May 15th, even though it ends next week. Right. So that was a, that was a shock to me. I, and there are journalists who, who I mean, we, a lot of us will report on that exact thing come, come May, we'll, we'll report on, well, this lobbyist spent this amount of money, this something. Most of them, honestly, are small. You know, there's there aren't a lot of big money lobbyists at this level, but there are a few. Uh, but we will report on that, be right. That's two months past. Right. <laughs> it doesn't, we can't change anything, you know. Oh, this lobbyist spent X amount of money on this particular uh, member of legislature when- It's too late. Yeah, it's too too late. late. <laughs> yeah, right, what's the point? It's also interesting seeing, as students, the amount of bills that are about us or that are targeting minors when we don't have a say and we barely even hear about it. Yeah. Um, so doing this has been really, it's refreshing to kind of be able to not only research it for ourselves, but also kind of put a voice out there that says, listen to this, this is what they're talking about without you there. Um, I know at our school, we. Our Gay Straight Alliance 
just wrote letters to our local senators, Tom Takubo and Eric Nelson Jr., mm -hmm. about how they are taking our my friends' rights to healthcare away. Oh, but yeah. my friends don't even know that that's happening. And we don't have a representative for our demographic in there. So well, it's a difficult question to answer because you don't want to lower the voting Yeah, age, yeah, that's right? not going to happen. <laughs> but, you know, more information and things like this is what... Well, and I mean, I think ultimately you're right that the, the legislature probably should consult teens in education. You know, we, they pass a lot of bills, you're right, um, about educational uh, issues, discipline, even what students are going to learn throughout, uh, throughout their uh, class or out their school years. But, um, but yeah, nobody's talking to the kids. And I, and I think you've given a voice to that. I, I've been interested in the, uh, you, you did a, a one week on healthcare issues, I believe. And, or, or, or is that, no, that's, that's, that's your last week, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, you did one on bills that were interesting to you, like, like uh, food, uh, food banks on college campuses mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. Uh, we old people don't stop to ask, hey, so what do you guys care about then? Yeah, and I think that, as you said, that knowledge for the youth to learn, it's one of probably my proudest aspect about working here because knowledge that I gained from this experience is that representatives can only represent those who vote or that they can only be represented by those who show up. And so giving knowledge to the youth about who to vote for or what's happening around your state it's important for them to know. And by working in experiences like this, this is a great opportunity to do so. So let's talk about this survey you did. I, I think this is really cool, actually. Um, uh, well, what, what, what gave you the idea to, to put this survey together? I mean, well, it was exactly that. People don't measure students' opinions on bills that are affecting students. They are passing or trying to pass these, frankly, insane bills that are about our graduation, that are about our poverty, um, but they don't know what we think about it. Like you said, you barely take the time to even think about asking. So we kind of took that and we said, well, why don't, why don't we ask? Yeah. So you mean. And so having yeah. the ability yeah, tell to- me about, Tell me about what you chose to poll. So the topic was about bills that affect students. So our first bill was Senate Bill 243 which regards a moment of silence, one minute moment of silence in the beginning of every school day. And nothing, there's no encouragement of prayer or meditation, just a simple one minute moment of silence where mm -hmm. students choose what they want to do. The second bill was Senate Bill 404, which um, wanted to create a social media safety curriculum for students. It would, basically, it would basically be a class they would take to learn how to be safe on the, on the internet and social media as a whole. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's something you both have learned too. You you knew the theoretical side of government and all of that, but now you've gone. Hey, wait a minute. There's a <laughs> a lot of technicalities at play, and and yeah. Well, we also we talked we talked about not on air Senate Bill two forty three. Um, well, I think we did mention it. There's Engle v. Vital, the Supreme Court case that talks about can't have prayer in school. It violates our First Amendment yeah. right. Um, but then there's also, they tried to pass this bill in Alabama. And I believe the Supreme Court of Alabama actually shut this bill down as well. But because the minority is so small here, yeah. 
they're going to try to pass it anyway. So it's interesting seeing something, the exact same thing, be constitutional in one state while unconstitutional in another. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot goes on behind the scenes. So so what were some of the results from this uh, this survey? So about Senate Bill 243, what was the moment of silence? 77.1 students voted for that bill, while 22.9 voted against. And Senate Bill 404, which wanted to create a social media safety curriculum, 59.5 of students were for that bill, while 40.5 were against it. In House Bill 4186 about the U.S. Constitution test, I remember when we first reported on it, it was funny because the requirement for you to pass the test was 85%. In the same amount of students, 85% voted against that bill. <laughs> That's funny. So I guess... You know, it was. it's kind of fun to see that people want the moment of silence, they don't want that test, and they're kind of up in the air about that social media curriculum because, you know... We've seen how classes that have been incorporated with good intentions have kind of fell wayside. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. It, everybody's all excited about it for the first year or two, mm -hmm. and then it just kind of, yeah. Especially with the way like teachers are paid with things, and then you're jumping in, you're putting in a new subject without mm -hmm. training teachers who are specifically supposed to be taught that. I remember that was an issue with our STEM curriculum. So I just one last question. Um, uh, from your experience, e either of you pursuing journalism when you get out of school? <laughs> well, I already knew I was going to be an English major, but having this experience really opened my mind into the world of journalism. Like, I remember me and Ben, we at one point we talked, maybe we could be CNN anchors yeah. or somewhere else. <laughs> We've already got this at this age. Maybe who knows what we can accomplish. And like, so well, it really opened a door for me. Good for you. I will say I was really up in the air when applying to colleges about what I wanted to follow. And doing this experience hasn't necessarily made me want to be a journalist, but it has made me realize I want to major in political science and have a bigger say in what goes on. It's put a fire sure. under me and it's making me want to fight. So, Well, journalism is much about uh, cl critical thinking as anything else. So, you know, even if from this experience you learned to look at the news a little bit more critically, I think we've uh, we've achieved our goal, to be honest with you. Hands-on experience is the best. Absolutely. All right, thank you guys, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you guys, back to you. Amira and Ben will be back next week with their final story. Thank you for spending this time with us this week. We'll see you again next Monday. Catch the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia channel. I'm Curtis Tate. For everyone here at WVPB, thanks for joining us. Have a great evening and a great weekend. Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu slash forward.